0: Hello and welcome to the CEO Blind Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Mark Blumenthal, who is the founder of the American Botanical Council and previous board advisor to organizations like MD Anderson Cancer Center, University of Texas, and Columbia University. But in addition to that. He's appeared to over 400 radio and TV programs and thankfully today decided to appear on my podcast. So welcome to the show, Mark.
1: Thank you, Birgit. I appreciate the invitation.
0: I appreciate you being here because I've heard about you for decades because you also advised my father during a time he worked with a company that had acquired part of Nature's Way. And you're currently still advising him with some of his phytopharmaceutical clients. So as you know, my dad does not give out compliments easily, yet he told me he keeps coming back to you because he considers you the most knowledgeable expert in the USA in plant medicines. And of course, I heard that you apparently even taught for six years as an adjunct professor of medicinal chemistry at the College of Pharmacy at the University of Texas in Austin, which is where he sent me to go to school. So anyway, like I said, I'm excited you're on the show. I, I know you've been recognized and received awards as the industry innovator. You've received a Hall of Fame award, but this show is mostly about leadership. So of course, I have to say you've also received an award of lifetime leadership. And I happen to know that you've managed to retain most of your team members for over a decade. So I'd love to hear your insights. How have you managed to retain so many people?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for that. The issue about retention of employees is something that's very, very important to me. I grew up in a family that owned a large department store in West Texas. It was the biggest store in town, the biggest store in the Southwest. And I tried to model my management style because I've been a serial entrepreneur. Although the last 33 years, my entrepreneurial energy has gone into the nonprofit tax exempt domain with the American Botanical Council as a nonprofit research and education organization dealing with herbal medicine, medicinal plants, research on medicinal plants, the scientific basis that confirms and or supports the traditional historical uses of plants as medicines throughout history and the modern research on them uh, as seen in various dietary supplements, et cetera. So we publish peer-reviewed literature, et cetera, with all kinds of projects. So I basically treat my employees like they're a family or an extension of families. And I realize that they are my largest asset, aside from the customer or the member or the supporter, or the donor, the people that support us financially, and to whom we do our nonprofit service, our stakeholders. Many people, I think, incorrectly see their employees as, as liabilities because they cost money. They're a cost center. I see them as assets because they're the people that help me Deliver on my mission and my goals and my and my objectives. So I've been very fortunate that both of my accountants have been with me thirty-three years each since we started the organization back in nineteen eighty-eight. My special projects manager has been with me almost twenty-seven years. He deals Mm -hmm. with the the website. My IT guy, who's a contractor, he has other clients. We're his primary client, and one of his first has been with me thirty-one years. And I have other people who. Average uh, 10, 12, 13, 14, 17 years with me. So I'm extremely grateful for these people who've dedicated their lives to the mission of the organization and have made the opportunity. You mentioned all these awards I've received. Those are really given to the organization in a sense, because they, they go to the people who support me and support the, the, the mission of the organization. It couldn't be possible without their help.
0: Yeah. And since COVID and since a lot of team members are used to working remotely, there's a new term that I'm hearing a lot now, which is the great resignation. So there's yes. a lot of people concerned about keeping their team right. members. What did you do during COVID times and how did you navigate through that?
1: Well, in March of 2020, when it became clear that we had to cancel a big event that we had planned for a year at a major natural food show that we go to every year and have a lot of activities at that has 80,000 people, it's in Anaheim, it's the largest natural food show, and the herb and vitamin industry is part of that, or a subset of that. When we realized that was happening, and this is right at the beginning of the lockdowns and the work from home and all that kind of stuff, and it was all new to everybody, I had meetings with my employees, and I said, the first goal of the organization from now on is helping support your health and the health of your family. So number one goal of the organization, Mm -hmm. and as me as manager and my leadership team, I have five people on a leadership team, was to help in any way possible that's appropriate for us to support the health and, and the robust health, the vibrant health of our team members and of, of their families by extension, because that's what who they're interested in. Secondly, it was to continue delivering on the mission of the organization and our, our deliverables and provide benefit to our stakeholders. And the third option, and maintain the organization's integrity financially and otherwise, and we have. And, that, and we came out very well for the year. But one of the other things that I committed ourselves to is we have to come up with some way to not just give people what they expect from us, what our publications, our periodicals, all of our program benefits. We have to come up with something new and different and, and beneficial as an extra bonus for people who are needing something. It became apparent three or four months into the pandemic that it was going to continue. And we had to figure out, we have to give people more and we can't charge them for it. We have to give it to them free as part of our delivery of our mission, being relevant and being relevant to their lives. And so we started a series of webinars and we were, we did like 18 or 20 webinars. We're still doing them. They're all free. We have people from 35 countries dialing in those, on those webinars. And so far we've had over 50,000 views of those webinars. So we're really grateful that that idea idea of just to give something more really has paid off for it.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. And now I can see how you received some of those awards. And a lot of leaders feel lonely. They feel frustrated. They want to quit because they feel like leadership is so hard. And it sounds like you've done quite well. So I'm wondering, did you ever struggle as a leader? I
1: actually, I was a class president in grade school. I was student council president as a junior in high school. I was president of various clubs in high school while I had two paper routes at four or five o'clock in the morning. I've always been, the type A's are too mellow for me. Okay, well. (laughs) I'm just kidding, of course, but I do believe in being (laughs) as mellow as possible. But I've, I've always been maybe blessed or maybe gifted or maybe just grateful for the fact that I have been given certain leadership qualities that my friends and colleagues and peers have recognized. And I take that as, actually, to be frank, I, I don't take that as something that I own. I don't consider that really as part of me. I consider that a form of energy that comes through me if I'm available to it. And I have a certain stewardship responsibility to steward it and use it wisely and humanely and for the best benefit of all all concerned. So I consider it as on loan.
0: Yes. But I am curious if possibly one of your blind spots was succession planning. And I can say this because you have it listed publicly. You're 75 years old and you're now looking for an executive 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 director, is that still the case?
1: I'll be 75 in September, so I'm a little <laughs> less shy of 75 as we as we record this. Yes. And my board, for many years, has been asking for succession planning. And let's be clear, I'm the founder and executive director of the organization. So right. the board, the board are people that I helped invite in to help me manage the organization, help me deal with governance, not so much management, because we're a staff managed, a staff driven organization, not a board driven organization. As far as the actual day to day management, etc., we're very transparent with the board. We send monthly unaudited financial statements were very open and transparent about that. But many of the board members are friends of mine. They're all friends of mine now, but they, many had been friends of mine. And so it wasn't like they were trying to get rid of me because it's because I'm getting too old. The fact is that I'm still grading on maybe 13 cylinders as usual or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But the fact of the matter is that we realized the question came up, Mark, you're going to be the time 68 or 69 or 70 So this conversation has <laughs> been going on. And actually that, that announcement about our success plan was actually going to happen last year. And we budgeted for it in 2020. But because of COVID and the pandemic, I told the board, I told my staff, we can't do this. We should not be looking outside and interviewing people. We don't have time to spend the time on this and the resources and energy. We need to focus on... What's available, you know, during the pandemic, because it was a crisis situation for everyone, because it was so new and so unprecedented for us. So what I told the board was, I said, "Mark, here's the thing: if you have a stroke or a heart attack at whatever age, I'm a very healthy guy. Fortunately, it's a gift I have, and I I live a pretty healthy lifestyle. I've been a vegetarian for 53 years, and I work out and I take long walks and meditate mm-hmm. and." do a lot of things to help me maintain and improve my health. And I got great genes from my parents and all of that. But they said, Mark, anything can happen. A brick can fall out of a building and hit you on the head. Who knows? If it, if you have, get incapacitated or die, do you want us to just close this down and sell it off? Because we own a beautiful 160-year-old home on two and a half acres in East Austin with herb gardens. So we have physical assets. And I said, or do you want us to keep going? I said, I want it to keep going. They said, well, we need to do a succession plan. I said, I'll tell you what, I'll go along with all of that as long as we cleave off the ion and make it a success plan. Mm. So I have been reporting to the board for a number of years in quarterly board reports about our success plan and our success planning because the idea is about our success for the organization. And we have announced in April of 2021 that we're seeking, that we've hired a search firm, we're seeking qualified candidates who are interested in the mission of the organization to be considered for candidacy for the executive director position. That's the good news. We're investing in the future of the organization. The bad news is I'm staying, I'm not leaving. And so I'm still <laughs> gonna be here and I'm gonna be here to mentor the new executive director. I'm here to help out as, as the executive director and the board see fit. And there's a lot of things that this organization Does the American Botanical Council, that a new executive director is going to want and need, presumably, assistance from somebody who's had all this experience. And so we're looking for somebody that can work with me and help hand over the reins, but for the best benefit of the organization and the people that we serve, which are millions of people all over the world who are interested in herbs, medicinal plants, and the scientific research that supports that agenda.
0: Yes. Well, I really like how you say the the success plan. Yes, and then the other part is you're managing expectations quite clearly because you even stated that on your website that you would be there and you would still be actively involved. And and then the best kind of succession plan is a success plan. You're still there to help guide the new person and integrate them. Right. So sounds yeah. to me like you've set it up well. But for new leaders, are there any last minute tips you have as we start to wrap up the show regarding when you face a crisis or or really anything else you want? Want to share?
1: Well, when facing a crisis, you have to remember that I Ching defines crisis as danger Dangerous opportunity. There's always an opportunity in a crisis, and I know that sometimes that can be trite in some cases. But it's true. You have to go through it without fear. You can't be apprehensive about it. You you need to be concerned. Of course, you need to play. You need to play your cards right. You need to marshal your resources, make make clear decisions, and you need to be make informed decisions. I mean, you you need to seek advice whenever possible. And the old expression that I use with your father, for example, is that with regarding advice that a wise man doesn't need it and a fool won't heed it. So what's the point? But nevertheless. (laughs) 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 Nevertheless, good to listen to other people's opinions, perspectives, insights, and experiences and come up with the right decisions and marshal the right resources. And including, for me, it's always wanting to maintain all of the job security of the people with me. I never see when there's been, when in the past, when there's been financial shortages and dislocations, et cetera, I've never seen cutting staff as a reasonable or viable alternative. It's about how do we support everybody who's here supporting
0: us? Wow, that's pretty inspiring. And then I have to ask, how much of that has to do with you also knowing how to hire well?
1: Very fortunate that I've been lucky to hire people who are motivated, who are at least that require the least amount of supervision. I am not a micromanager. I believe in delegation. And then let's, let's be accountability. And let's have a weekly meeting and talk about what's going on with you. But the weekly meeting doesn't become a grill job. I mean, I do micromanage when I edit a manuscript, but that's quality control. That's different. Micromanage to me is an extension of sometimes micromanagers don't necessarily trust the people that they've delegated various tasks to. I trust my people and I trust that sometimes they may make mistakes and that's, okay because we don't have problem culture of they and fault at abc we never can use the word fault in a meeting if somebody says it they have to i have to remind them that we don't we don't do fault we do accountability we do responsibility we do group support and we're here to support the mission of the organization so let's just take mistakes or take one take two take three until we get the scene right but let's just always be supportive of people and empowering of them so that they can make good decisions themselves
0: well, I can see how you've built a very successful culture. So I definitely wish you the best in, in selecting whoever's going to be successful following you and together with you. And it's, I know your website is herbalgram.org. And thank you again for being open and being willing to be here today.
1: Thank you for including me. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it.